Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible. Don't just hand over this life. Educate yourself. I would welcome anything that would help to protect the children further. The same spiel we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696 of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. Remember, she told us that a lot of providers may actually end up closing due to a lack of funding, despite the fact that the Minister for Children announced a huge package of money a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Elaine was explaining how it's not actually as good as it looks. Uh, I come back to that with some local providers who said their businesses are in danger because of that funding. There's a Titanic convention a commemoration taking place in Cove over the weekend. Of course, it's 110 years this month since the sinking of the Titanic. A story we've been following since July of last year and we've pledged to stay with it until the bitter end, whatever that might be. The Aractus Health Committee, we've been given to understand that they will issue a statement later today on Owen Accurra. Now, we don't quite know what's in it, in fact, we've no notion what will be in it at this point, but we've been contacted to say that statement is imminent. If it comes before the end of the show, we'll get on top of it straight away and bring you what's in it. We're also getting reports. Now, we did invite, because of the fact that it's uh, Autism Awareness Month and for many other reasons, we did invite the Minister for Disabilities, Anne Rabbit, to join us on the opinion line during a visit to Cork. She, as is her right, declined our invitation. She was attending a meeting in Cork, we believe, last evening. And we are told people weren't particularly happy. Uh, were you there? Were you satisfied with what she had to say? Uh, you might tell us a little bit about what she had to say with regards to services uh, and the availability thereof. As I said, we did ask the Minister, through her good offices, if she'd be willing to speak with us on the opinion line. Purely to mark I guess Autism Awareness Month and I suppose to address other issues that come to mind. But as is her right, <coughs> she did decline our invitation. Speaking of services. Martina, you've contacted us because I think not just you and your husband, but your daughter herself. You're all at your wits end with regard to her mental health. What's the story with her? Um, Sarah is now going a full seven days without eating because her OCD is unallowing her to continue on. She has a set of rituals that she has to do before she'll eat. And the ritual is mainly washing her hands. That's the biggest ritual. So the washing of the hands are actually going back to the bone, back to her, way down to the quicks with her nails. They're destroyed. 
her fingernails are destroyed at this stage and her hands are red raw. They're actually bleeding as well. And then she has to then drink um, so much water, like um, a litre or two of water. And then she also has to have a fruit bowl. After, there's a gap in from the water to this fruit bowl. And she takes that then. It was a sugar bear hair, but now it's with a different kind of uh, gummy bear to help her for her hair. She thinks is going to strengthen her hair. But it's very disheartening for us to watch her. Is she at least eating the fruit? Oh, she will. But this is after she has her routine finished, she'll eat like mad then and then she'll feel sick. So what she'll do then after when she'll start eating then after day seven, rather than doing her rituals again the next day, she'll stay awake all night. Like last Saturday night now, she stayed awake all night and now since Sunday, she, so she ate Saturday and Sunday and now we're here Monday and now we're Tuesday. We're on day two now already again. So she hasn't eaten since Sunday and it'll be several days before she eats again, before she feels ready to eat again. Yeah, and we have done this now the easy way and the hard way. The hard way, trying to, you know, take away technology and literally saying, you know, we'll throw you outside the door if you don't. We've tried every every single avenue we've tried believe me and you know we're all so distressed and I'm actually burnt out now at this stage you know she's aware I think of the nature of her problem she she herself wants wants help and and you tell me she's crying out for it you see she was on medication and we had you could say we had two nice years but basically the medication then when she was taking the olanzapine at night she was aware that that was pushing her to sleep and she was always getting her good night's sleep. So then she tried to say that, you know, she didn't want that anymore. So you have to respect that then as well, even though everything is downhill, I suppose, since she stopped taking it. She's been involved with CAMS for, for many years, I think. Oh, yes, since since the age of five. And we're a prime example of um, a child completely being failed by the system and falling through the system. She's no longer attending school. Um, because she can't, she can't, you know, she she went in for the first year into the unit in the school and um, now she's not even attending school anymore. So we agreed that she'd go online. And the only way I got her online is to do the driving theory test with them, hoping that that would keep her involved some way with the school. But now she's not even able to do that because she's her mental health is so bad at this stage. But... Last year when Sarah was going downhill, we had contacted CAMS and Sarah, both of us. Um, it was online back then because of COVID. And we were pleading and crying um, to the psychiatrist that Sarah, all Sarah wanted back then was a therapist to help her through her daily routine, which is coming against her now. We were waiting and waiting for him to get back on to us. So he got back on to us maybe a month later or two months later. Oh, no, that you're going to get this um, therapist from the disability team, not from us. And then we had to wait then for disability, which took, I think, another six months. Mm. Because she does have a diagnosis of autism or Asperger's, doesn't she? Oh, she does. Yes, absolutely. And also previously with OCD, um, not OCD and oppositional defiance disorder as well. Right. If you ask her to do the smallest thing, she won't do anything. So even by us, even asking her, you know, to do her routine, um, you know, it's not like another child that you can deal with them. You cannot deal with Sarah at all. I could give her the best help in the world, but she won't listen to me. 
And when we were pleading for a therapist to come on to us, um, you know, it was very unfair. And Sarah was always on to me saying, you're not trying hard enough. I got them privately. And any time I went privately, they'd say, oh, sorry, Sarah's gone beyond our help, you know, with any other therapists. I've all around Cork, I'd say I've, we've been through them all paying 60 euros an hour. And at the end of the hour, then they'd say, sorry, Sarah's gone beyond. She's not for us. Like we're, you know, she's beyond our therapy, wow. you know, so wow. um, noises in the house, everything annoys Sarah. If you bang a door, anything, I could go to bed at night. And when I get up in the morning, she's still holding the same glass of water that I went to bed the night before watching her with that glass. When I get up in the morning, that same glass is in her hand because she couldn't function. My God. And carry on. Yeah, and carry on with her routine. And this goes on night, this will go on night after night after night. She's literally driven by her routine. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if she got help, last, what I've been trying to do now, even last year, is getting her to get her into, because I only heard about this place, St. John of God's in Dublin, or St. Pat's, or the Dean in Cork. So I've had to ask the doctor and CAMS and everyone to refer us to these places. They've all refused us because they're all too busy. And um, it was only the other day when I got on to the HSC, your say, my say, that um, the psychiatrist eventually got on to me and said to me, I, I told him I'm burnt out. And he said he'd get on to Tusla for me to see, would they be able to take her for respite? And with a, with a view maybe when she's 18 for um, residential care or some kind of care like that for Sarah. So it's called actually individual living. That's uh, independent living is what it's called, actually. And that might suit Sarah. But um, today then they rang me back to say, CAMS rang me back to say that I actually have to refer myself to TUSLA, that that's something I have to do myself. And I asked um, the secretary, well, why do I have to do that? Because our why didn't you tell me about this? And I'm crying out for help. You know, it's so long. Why? So we're not told anything that's available to us either, yeah. you know. And I literally ring cams morning, noon and night. I email them at 2 a.m. in the morning when I'm in the bed and my heart is thumping <clears throat> when we're heading to day seven of Sarah not eating because I'm literally watching my child die. She's like a skeleton now at the moment, you know. And... If I could help her, I would. For example, her hair was taking her from four in the afternoon until four in the morning, trying to with her OCD, trying to wash her hair. So to combat that, I actually take her to hairdressers every Saturday. And it sounds very luxurious taking um, a 17 year old to a hairdresser. But I have to because otherwise Sarah was leaning over the bath because she had to keep her hair straight. And it took her like that many hours until four in the morning, you'd still hear the hairdryer going. So at least taking her to a hairdresser is cutting that much torture out for her, you know. Does she go out at all? Does she have friends? No, no? she hasn't got one friend, not a friend, never had. Well, she never mixed with her friends either. So she was never, say, asked to birthday parties. She has no friend. I used to get Spanish students for her because I suppose her mental age is a very young age. And... um you know, the Spanish students, she felt she had a rapport with them because their English wasn't great. And um, she got on very well with them. But during COVID then they had to go back and we had a very, very special girl and she was so nice. And she had to go back, which we were very upset about. But she has no friends. No, no. And she's in a dark, she's in a dark room. Like she's been in a dark room now since for the last two days. 
and we're only waiting for her now. Her dad, the moment, is working on her, trying to get her to start her routine while I'm out here talking. And that's grand. It's only since Sunday, but come Thursday, I'm getting more, you know, anxious and anxious yes. myself. We have no life. We're completely burnt out at this stage because it's constant fighting. And um, she's very challenging as well. So if you go to her, she'll challenge you to the bitter end as well. You know, often when I've been to CUH to put her on a drip, I think I'm the one that needed to go on the drip more because <laughs> like after seven days and often she can't keep food down, then she'd get sick. This kind of crazy diet situation or refusing to eat or whatever it is, like that, yes. that's dangerous. Like It's so dangerous. Has she ended up in hospital because of it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Twice we have been down. We've been to Waterford once. And then the second time we've been, I went to the CUH to see what they'd say. And the, I waited then until the next morning. Obviously, we were there overnight and she was on the trip. And then they said, OK, so well, there's no medical reason now for you to be here anymore. So that was fine. I waited then for the CAMS and Cork to come into us, you know, to see would they do any better. And I literally had her bag packed going up. I bald crying the whole way up in the car it was actually dangerous to drive because I couldn't see the road everything was a blur you know and when I remind her to do you know or if I'm on her it's all I'm the one that's wrong where there's all Sarah needs is professional help You say Martina she is aware of her problems 100% yes you know we're gone beyond therapy Sarah needs to go into somewhere like St John of God's now I'm saying St John of God's there could be more places but I don't know these places she needs to go in somewhere to break her routine at this stage and everywhere I go the door is being shut does she accept that Martina no she thinks I'm not trying hard enough to get her in somewhere because she's looking forward to going in somewhere that's residential because she feels it's like a five star hotel and she'll have therapists there at will which she's looking forward to that to help her. The child herself is crying out for help. I went to my solicitor last Monday morning because I asked him what am I to do because I thought before he had said something to me to go down to him you know if I ever need help to get her in somewhere and I went down to him and I said please, like, where do I go, you know? And what he had said to me is, well, you have to go back to your doctor and to CAMS and see what you want me to get my barrister to fight for you. And I rang my doctor next morning and he said, Martina, I don't know, he said. Then that's the simple answer. I rang CAMS and they're saying, you know, the psychiatrist said to me, if I had a bed here, Sarah urgently needs a bed, I'd put her in, but we don't. This is what the psychiatrist said to me. So even though I have a solicitor waiting to even fight my case, I have no case to fight, you know, at this stage. So um, we're the most, I'm not saying everyone's case is severe, but, you know, this this is going on since Sarah's very young. Now, she's only got this eating disorder in the last, oh, I'd say year and a half. And the only reason it stepped in was because when she was looking for a therapist, we couldn't get one. And anyone privately we could get wouldn't deal with us because she's under the age as well as she was too severe and they knew it. So Sarah's crying out to get into, I'm saying, someplace even for six weeks just to break the cycle from home. Just six weeks would even do us at this stage. Well, not only does she need proper care, that's what you think anyway, and that's what she wants right now. I'd respectfully suggest, Martina, you need a break as well. Well, I certainly do. Yeah, I do. I'm just, 
you know, um, I have also have my mother living with me and she's elderly. But in fairness, you know, I take 10, mo- I take 50 mothers this minute. You know, it's because you can't help these children. I'm her mother. She doesn't want to listen to me. Or there's somebody outside of me, a professional, no bother at all. They'd make great progress with her. And this is the very annoying part about it. Sarah shouldn't be a non-functioning 17-year-old now because I've been with the system since Sarah's five. I did every meeting, every OT speech, you name it, I did it, you know. But I, I, I really need to find out, like, why are we in this situation now, you know? And actually, in the earlier days, you see, I wasn't even aware completely, you know, that this was, I, I actually thought when she was five, when they wouldn't keep her in school until I got an SNA for her. Why did she first, I should probably have asked you this a while back, why did she first come into contact with CAMS when she was five? What happened? Because um, they wouldn't keep her in school unless I got an SNA. So that's why I had to look for a diagnosis. I I didn't actually know there was any such thing as, you know, I knew there was autism, but and Asperger's and all that, but it just never crossed my mind that that's what was wrong with her until, you know, I'd take her out of school every day at one o'clock until we got the SNA because they couldn't keep her after lunchtime. So we eventually got an SNA, but I was trying to get her into, you know, the, um, more specialised schools, but... Um, you know, they were saying that her IQ was too high for that. So that's the reason that she didn't get anywhere else, you know, but she's in the unit in, in her own school and she was, but she's not attending school she's now anymore. School. So, and I, and that was a big pill to swallow, you know, when she was, when she went into first year, that was grand. She went through a few months, but the gap widened then. Now she did work well with me for a few months, but then she stopped and then the gap widened and widened and where she was then in the end was in the toilets full time. Yeah. They couldn't find her. Do you have, lastly, and I know that you're, you're do you have any mother-daughter relationship? Are there any moments? It's very, very difficult. Um, these children lack empathy. She sees me crying my heart out. I've cried. We're living near the black water. I've cried the black water. Um, you want to love them, but it's very difficult because you're trying to push them through this. Um, this she, you're trying to push her through her routine and you can't do that being Miss Nice Guy, you know. So it's so difficult for me to have any relationship with her. And that's the sad part. That's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Martina, I don't know what, if anything, you talking to me will will do for her. I, I really wish there was something we could magic up and make happen, but there isn't. All I can do is wish you well and wish her well and wish your husband well and the rest of the family and hope that Thank someone you. someone is listening to us who might give you a steer, you know? Please, God, because really there's been nobody take any responsibility for Sarah. And I suppose what I listen to mostly is people saying, you know, oh, you have to get onto CAMS, you have to. We're with CAMS and we're with disability because CAMS deal with the medication and the disability now with the therapy. But like I'm saying, I am in the system. And like, why am I like this when people say, like, try to get onto CAMS and there's a waiting list for CAMS? So what benefit is it doing me? That's what I'm trying to find out. That's why I'm baffled here, you know, completely. Because I have emails upon emails that I send at every hour of the night when we have a bad night with Sarah. Now, I'm only tipping the iceberg of what we go through here. And I mean tipping the iceberg. 
it's very difficult. And that's to say the least. All right. I leave it there with you, Martina. And as I said to repeat, all I can do is wish you well. If anybody's listening that can offer you a steer, then maybe they can call us. Thank you. Thanks very much, um, PJ. Thank you. What do you say? That poor woman, uh, Martina, loves her daughter dearly with every fibre of her being, but just can't seem to get any guidance as to what to do. Uh, Kate says that mum is very much under pressure. She's at the edge herself uh, and needs some rest and recuperation. Some bit of advice, maybe. Uh, contact the Youth Advocate Programme, yapireland.ie. They may help. They do one-to-one work with young people. Dee says that's one of the saddest stories I've heard. Sarah needs help rapidly and red tape needs to be cut out. My heart goes out to them as a family. So sad. Hope help comes their way straight away. 0818 96 96 96. If you've been anywhere like the place in which Martina finds herself and you've any bit of a guidance that might give her a steer, please do let us know. Uh, even if you just give us a website or, or or a referral to where we might send her because that's a longer conversation. We had a longer conversation than that. I recorded her last evening and that's a... She's in a desperate state. Really, really desperate trying to get her daughter some help. 0818 96 96 96. We're back with our friends at Blackwater Motors today. Their annual demo and used car event is on right now. Runs until Sunday. It's open 12 to 4 Sunday at Forge Hill, Fermoy and Skibbereen. Over 500 cars to choose from across the Volkswagen and Seat ranges. Who is the celebrity driver? The celebrity motorist? I am walking on water now. Another easy one, I think, today. I am walking on water now. His name and yours, please, to 083 396 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Premier League Live, powered by Talk Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. Number one, that's the, the Premier League Live. With now, stream live action from BT Sport and Premier Sport with the Now Sports Extra membership. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download the Cork's 96FM app. Now we just talk. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona, I think you were listening to Martina talking to me there. You have some, maybe some advice for her. You're on the radio. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Um, so the thing is, I suppose that I was just listening to Martina there. Um, and I was a patient of St. Pat's nine years ago. Right. Um, I was in the system for about maybe 10 years before that. Um, off and on and off and on and off and on. Um, I suffered from depression probably from the age of 19 right. um, and probably found it very hard to live a normal life. Um, so what I did was I had loads of, we say, I went to counsellors and therapy and stuff. But when I rang St. Pat's, there was a waiting list of about six, five or six months. Right. Um, but I put my name down and I was called after six weeks because there was a cancellation which can happen. 
Um, and I was just listening to Martina and you know when you're in that situation you want to fix tomorrow I think you want someone to say there's a place tomorrow and unfortunately with COVID there is a backlog with all of these services as well Sure, sure um, But I would have definitely advised for Martina to put um, put her daughter's name down um, now yeah. uh, Hopefully she'll get a cancellation and I was a patient in there for six and a half weeks Yes. Um, and it's 24-7 therapy. So they're watching you all the time. You're getting therapy every day, which someone really needs that. Yeah. Well, it, it um, seems that Sarah is, is begging for that. It's what she wants. She wants to go in somewhere and try and sort out this blasted routine that is driving every moment of her misfortunate life at the moment. My concern was, Fiona, listening to uh, Martina, was A, that she's also exhausted. I'm sure her husband is too. Yes. But also, given... Sarah's age, she's going to age out of a lot of things yeah. very soon. Yeah. So would you be advising get the name down even now? Straight away. Because also another thing is I had experience with someone um, over COVID that I did help with mental health. And there is a community crisis team. And I know in Mallow, um, I was able to ring the crisis team and get someone out to the house within 24 hours. They have to call within 24 hours. Right. And they call every single day. Right. Um, until you get the further help, just to yeah. keep an eye, just make sure that you're washing and you're eating and you're doing, you know, the normal uh, living things. Do you and know, fantastic. I, I had another chap on the air last month who was telling me yeah. that happened with him while he was waiting to get yeah. to see a psychiatrist or some person like that. Yeah, yeah. It kept me going. It kept me going okay. while I was waiting because, as I say, you see, when people say you go to a therapist and you have a mental health issue, um, you don't have the motivation to go. Or, you know, it's very hard even a lot of people don't keep appointments when they're down. Yeah, go ahead. Because they just don't have the motivation. But if, if the community health crisis nurses, which is in every area and in every county, okay. they will call to the house to help. Yeah. Um, so, and maybe they would have the ability then to get a bit of respite okay. for Martina as well. Okay, because she does. Um, she, she, poor woman's at the end of her tether. As I said, that was a longer phone call than the part we broadcast. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so your, your, your advice, Fiona, would be in, and this is speaking from very, very personal experience, personal. get her name down to anywhere that they'll yeah. take it. And I just want to say to Martina that I was there for six and a half weeks and I have never looked back a the, day since I've come home. That's fantastic, Fiona. That's and absolutely. you see, then they they follow on. Then, as Martina was saying, the Dean Centre in Mahan. Um, it's like it's they're they're connected with St Pat's in Dublin as well. And what they did, why they bought it, kind of Cork was to follow up on the treatments from okay. people in hospital. No, um, right. So it's it will be very easy then for um, Martina to get an appointment there because she'd be referred from St Pat's after. I see. And then stay there. Okay. It's just very hard to get in, but when yeah. you're in. Yeah. It's so much easier, right. you get, know. Get the, get the name down is the message. Fiona, thank you so much for your call uh, in response to Martina talking about her daughter, Sarah. They're in a really awful place, that family. So maybe there's something in what Fiona is saying. Get the name down. Anywhere they'll take a name, get the name down. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Talking yesterday morning at the top of the show with Elaine Dunn about changes in the funding of childcare. And just to go back over it again, Elaine, because we were moving very quickly yesterday morning, the minister came up, Ronica Gorman, came up with what looked like a shed load of money a few weeks ago, 200 and something million. But the, the small print, as they say, tells a different story. So recap that again for me. Good morning. Good morning. 
um, and thank you for having me back on today. Uh, what is going on is the ECC services. This, this will be your three-hour in the morning community-based services across the country. They have literally got nothing out of this core funding and they are just going to remain the same. And all of the big services are getting mass amount of funding. And nice. these poor, poor people are just, they're getting zero. It's disgraceful. Um, we had... Um, we have been lobbying a whole load of TDs all over the country and we had um, TDs speaking up on our behalf last night in the Dáil and it was fantastic because people are now realising what we're saying. These small services that hire people in the local community, look after the community, they do everything in the community that they possibly can to support the community. They're going to be gone. Right. And you're talking about over maybe 1,500, 1,600 of these service types that will be gone within the next few months if something isn't given in for them. So, so uh, that's a collapse of the ECHI system? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, the one thing I don't understand, we have been waiting so long for this core funding. It has been said for years that they're going to give us and bring us up to a good level of core funding. So how, how this happened, that they left these providers out, is beyond me. Absolutely beyond me. The very, the very ones that needed most. I mean, I saw a post yesterday on social media that effectively they're working for four sixty an hour or something. Absolutely, it's four sixty an hour. That's how much we get for the children, and that out of that you have to then pay your staff wages, your overheads, all any bills you have at all, rent, mortgage, whatever. It's unworkable. It's an unworkable system. And you are not allowed, even if the, some of the mums or dads want it, you're not allowed to take a few quid off them. No, we're not allowed to take a donation and we're not allowed to charge. Right. So where, where, where are we going to go? So we're just going to close up our doors because obviously with the rate of inflation, everything has gone up. We've just been through a worldwide pandemic and yet these service providers have just remained stagnant. Okay. I know that you've got a couple of them lined up for us to talk to them after the break. Elaine, thank you very much. Chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. So huge money announced, enormous money announced uh, last week or the week before by Roderick O'Gorman looked great just like all these things like look great but brush away the surface and you have she said there dozens and dozens of providers hundreds of providers getting nothing out of this and operating at a loss so talk to some of them next 0818 96 96 96 Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to CorkDiary at 96 can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. So there is the problem in a nutshell. The ECHI providers, the ECCE, this is the free places offered in budget after budget. The Minister for Children announced a whole pile of money a couple of weeks ago for early education, core funding, 200 and something million, sounded great. But these providers got nothing out of it and it's lending them in a lot of trouble. Jennifer O'Connell has a place called Yellow House. Hi, Jennifer, good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. How are you? Great. It must have looked like, wow, there's money coming, and then it isn't. Well, that's exactly it, PJ. And to be fair, I'm delighted for the full day cares and the part times that are seeing an increase in funding, which will, um, you know, improve paying conditions for their uh, teachers. But really, from what I can see, what they've done is take away the higher capitation, which is paid to uh, ECCE settings that have graduates. And this, this isn't the way to do it. To redistribute the funding from one type of setting to another just isn't fair. How will then, you be affected? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to have to look at the non-contact hours that I give my teachers. Um, I, I had the, the wage subsidy scheme was fantastic. It supported me to allow my teachers to do a lot of the work that I was was doing all on my own before, and it gave them, you know, some job satisfaction. You know, dealing with a you know all of the admin instead of just the contact time with the children. Mm-hmm. And I see, you know, they're saying that we were getting paid 120 euros per hour, which is true if you were able to avail of higher capitation um, and also there's some extra funding for doing a a link course. But that 120 euros per hour is paying for two or three teachers in a setting, insurance, rent, all the overheads, which are all rising, every toy, every bit of paint, every pencil, every event that we that we run and we get paid that for 38 weeks of the year but obviously our overheads run for 52 weeks of the year nice. um and uh, uh, the other thing is that 120 quid don't belong disappearing jennifer well, that's for 22 children so huh? if, if you multiply that out uh you know the top funding that an ecce session can attract is about 68,000 euros and that is paying for a full year of ECCE for 22 children. If, if, you, if you have the higher capitation. My colleagues then that are on the lower capitation of 69 euros, I, I haven't worked that out, but they're, on, they're managing it on considerably less. So I, frankly, I think it's amazing what we deliver in these small mm, settings. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Is it going to put you under pressure to stay open, Jennifer? It's going to put me under pressure to... Um, yeah, it's going to put me under pressure. Yes, it is. And, oh. um, and also to, you know, my, my teachers paying three hours a day. Who wants to work for three hours a day? Yeah. I yeah. can't strip them back to that. And then... The and what are you profit, able to pay them for those three hours, Jennifer? I, I don't... Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of settings with the higher capitation, it was working out at about 247 extra a week. So obviously, I'm one of the people that have a degree. I didn't keep that for myself. I shared it amongst my team. Right. You know, we all, yeah. They're not, they're not exactly high earners, put it that way. All right, Jennifer. They're, they're not high earners. No, they're not. No, and, no. and the profit, the, the massive profit, there is no massive profit. I'm a single mother. The profit is my wage. I, you know, and some years it's good and some years it's not good. It depends on how, you know, how busy our setting is. I know. Okay. Thank you, Jennifer. Leave it there with you. Uh, Jackie Campbell is in Inneskeen. Hi, Jackie. Hi. Hi, um, PJ. I'm in Ahio Montessori, yeah, in just outside Clonakilty and Bandon. Um, and I run a small sessional preschool service as well. Um, so, yeah, we're funded fully um, by the ECCE scheme. So, as um, Elaine mentioned earlier, we can't ask for any extra money. Um, and this new um, scheme 
government proposed scheme is really um, taking money out of our pockets and putting it into the big full daycare services. Yeah. And m- my point here really is that not all parents want full daycare for their children. Yeah. Um, we're providing or, or need it, Jackie. Yeah, well, they just exactly. need the three hours. Yeah, well, what it's it's more um, it's what they need for their children. It's not um, it's not childcare. It's most parents that are sending their children to my service. I feel are looking for a three-hour educational service yeah. for their children, yeah. and this is emotional education, social education, as well as academic. Um, we're providing learning experiences, problem solving, and um, independent skills, and we're laying this foundations for future learning. Um, and that's what parents are looking for often, especially in rural parts where they may have family who are helping them out with child care as such. Yeah. They're sending them to us for a different experience. Yeah. Are you going to be under pressure to stay Absolutely. operating? Absolutely. I've been under pressure for the 12 years that I've been running. Ahio Montessori. I have two fabulous staff that I've employed for a number of years. But, uh, you know, I, I struggle. I struggle to pay them the salary that they, they should get. I struggle to give them the hours that would keep make it um, financially viable for them to yeah. come to work. And, and the yeah. families to whom you provide this wonderful service, like what would they do if you weren't there tomorrow? I, yeah, I really, I really wonder about that, to be honest. Um, I, I think very few parents now would consider sending their children into national school without a couple of years of early years education first. Um, and, you know, if this continues, this funding model, as they're proposing, uh, these services are going to disappear. And I really think parents would find that a huge loss. I imagine them. And the children, obviously. That's the transition right. from preschool to primary school is made so much easier because yeah. we liaise with the national yeah. schools. It's like a little and apprenticeship for them, really. Pardon? It's like a little apprenticeship for them for school. It is. It is very much yeah. a link to the national schools so we can help support that transition. But if they were all going into full daycares in bigger towns and cities, they're not having that natural and easy transition. Yeah. All right. Leave it there, Jackie. Thank you. That's Jackie in Enniskeen. Uh, to Rochestown, Eveen Casey, you are another, another provider. You'll have to consider your position here, will you? Good morning. Hi, PJ. Thanks for um, having us on. Um, yeah, well, I suppose my my biggest issue here, and I suppose the point I wanted to make um, this morning is that we are preschool sessions. Now, I am the same as the other two ladies there. I run a sessional preschool service, so I run a morning and an afternoon class. But one thing I want to say, like you're you're going through um, people's funding there and what people are taking in on the ECC service, but we're also being taxed on that. So if you're on a higher tax bracket, you're being taxed. 40% of all that income, it's as well that. then as trying to pay two staff members. And I suppose one of the points that I wanted to make as well, um, as an ECC and as a preschool session, we're inspected under TUSLA, we're inspected under the Department of Education, and we're inspected under Pobble. So we have three different types of inspections. And I suppose the one that not annoys me most, but um, the one that I kind of laugh about really is the fact that we're inspected under the Department of Education, yet we're given none of the rights of teachers who are working um, in schools. I mean, we have to lay off our staff in June and they have to go on the dole for two months because of the lack of funding. We were promised this fantastic funding from the government and and we were all told we were going to be up so much in money that we'd be able to up our staff rates. And as it turns out, a lot of services are actually down in money. Now, the one thing that the government did say is that they won't leave anybody um, with less money than they were last than they had last year, but um, they're not going to be up in money, and a lot of schools are going to be down in money. 
Mm-hmm. And I suppose I'm in a lucky position because I don't have huge overheads um, because I run a, the setting from my own home. Yeah. But people that have huge overheads, huge rent, um, they're in they're in a serious crisis. And only for Elaine Dunmurphy and the Federation that she's after setting up, we've never had a voice. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all lobbying TDs and ministers and we're getting nowhere. And it's a serious lack of recognition for what we provide. And I listened to the show earlier and I listened to the mums of children, you know, who are fighting for the rights of their children. And um, I just want to say in an awful lot of situations, now in fairness, not all situations, but in a lot of situations, it's the ECC services and teachers that are spotting little difficulties with children. And... Bang on, Yvonne. And we're not not being recognised for that. You know, over the years, I've said to parents, look, just get on to the, the district health nurse and just see, you know, if you think there's a little issue here. And we are we are sometimes the first people that see it. And we're, again, we're all qualified. We're all being, um, we're all trained for years, huge years of experience, yet no recognition. And Roderick O'Gorman comes out then, the big man saying he's going to give how many million to settings. He's looking after the pre the the fresh settings because he's looking after parents who are paying childcare. He's forgetting about the whole educational side to preschool settings. We're not a childcare service. We're an educational service. Even just to pick up on something you said there a second ago. I, as a parent with direct contact with services, obviously through my own boy, I've lost count of the number of parents who've confided to me that the preschool teacher or the Montessori teacher said, I'd get that checked. Yeah, yeah. And, and Plus count of it. You, it you, and, and it's, that's like, it's, you, you I suppose really when, when people send children to my school, I mean, we love the children. I have two teachers with me and we actually love the children that come into the school. And you watch every one of those individually and you'll pick up on little things. And it's, and this is happening in every preschool in the country and especially the smaller preschools where you have people who are in it because of the love of children and in order to do this job you really would want to love children because financially for anybody in it it's not it's not now i'm not saying it's not viable but for teachers that are working in it it's not it's not a decent earner it's not you're not going to get a mortgage if you're a preschool teacher you know and that that's totally wrong and it's that recognition that um it's that's what we should be recognized for we are educators and i think that's where the government are missing out big time, yeah. and and you know parents are trusting us with you're their not children. Childminders like you, you're. We're you're not. The, no, no. We're not, and that's the problem. And and in fairness, there are childminders in this country that have set up small little settings as well. They're not being recognised at all, absolutely at all. And and again, they are educators. And I think the biggest problem with the ECC and with um, Montessori and preschool services is the government aren't seeing us as educators. They're not seeing us as educated people providing a very, very important service. And it's definitely not reflected on the funding they're giving us at the moment. Okay, leave it there. Aveen from Shining Stars Montessori in Rochestown. And thank you, Jackie. And thank you, Jennifer, also before that. The reality of it is these services are in danger because of the funding. The funding that looked, and you can't overstress this, funding that looked fantastic when it was announced. You know, it looked like a Rolls Royce when it was announced. And what you got was a 1979 Ford Fiesta in dire need of a service. Roughly what you got. In response to Martina's daughter, um, or Martina's story about her daughter, Kevin says, I don't know what to say when she said her daughter had no friends. I just stopped 
it broke me, that bit. Yeah, she's 17, no friends. And Mag says one of the most heartbreaking interviews I've ever heard on the show. Other people have picked up on the fact that her daughter's never invited to parties. Yeah. If anything comes in, and we've already had Fiona's call with advice to Martina, and we'll pass it on. 0818-969696. Now, I talked to Gary Gibbons a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned him again on the show. That beautiful bike, Gary, it, it, it never turned up, unfortunately. Morning again. Hi, PJ. Good morning, and to the public. Yeah, my bike is still missing. Still no sign of it. Just remind people again, I was trying in my own ham-fisted way to explain. This is a very unique bike. You bought it from so the Red Bull factory. Uh, yeah, PJ. So basically the bike was built in Perth in Australia. It went from Perth then to the UK and I got sent from the UK then to myself in Ireland. Yeah. yeah. And I was just signing up to be a bit nervous over the phone. Just, I thought the first few days would be my worst, but actually not. It's actually hit me a lot harder today and the last few days I'm out morning, noon and night yeah. looking for my bike in ditches, alleyways I'm even inside ditches pulling out pairs of cars and pairs of off trucks hoping that's part of my bike that might lead me into the ditch further yeah. but no, it's just yeah. and uh, I know I'm, you you can't deal with stress yourself because you've diabetes I, I think that's correct, my diabetes, yeah see this is the whole, um, my friend set up the GoFundMe page because what happened is I had my motorbike insurance for four years going and in January this year my insurance was up and I was a bit sick with my diabetes. I was in the hospital a lot. So I said, look, I put my health first and I would get myself back better. Yeah. And I go enjoy the summer on my bike, but unfortunately... Did you let the insurance lapse? Yeah, well, no, it was I was, it was fully paid up, but it was up in January to renew it at the end of January, but I got sick at the start of January. I see. So I, it was last on my mind, really, PJ. Now I want to get myself better, you know, before I could. I know, I know. Could, I know. could go back up on my bike, you know. No, I know that you set up a GoFundMe, and and you know what people, Gary, will say it's it's just a motorbike, but to you, it's a very special motorbike, and I think you're you're asking the motorbike fraternity, and it's a big one around Cork. Have you seen my bike? Do you know anything about my bike? Or if not, can you help me to replace my bike? That's exactly it, yeah. It's so basically that it was my friend Nick Sullivan and Bannon colleague and partners, friends, they all stuff to go for me just because they knew how much that bike meant to me. Um, as you said, that, that bike, I was suffering my own depression going back two and a half years ago. And that bike brought me back out, brought me straight out of my depression to get up out and get out with my friends and stuff. And unfortunately, I'm going back down that road where I was two and a half years ago. Okay. Will you take care of yourself and talk to some friends and make sure that your people around you who understand it oh, and, and look it. after your diabetes, will you, for goodness sake? Oh, I know. That's a struggle itself. And if it's happening, it's just even more. I can't sleep. I can't eat properly. Just you got, you, well, you need, to, you need to try and eat properly and mind your diet and mind your medicine. I know. And that's oh. easy for me to say, a lot harder for you to do. But Gary, thank you. And I hope that you find it. The GoFundMe is up there. It's called Hope for Gary's Bike Return. We We have shared it. It is a uniquely beautiful bike built by the Red Bull people. He bought it from built in Australia, bought he bought it from the UK. A uniquely gorgeous bike, a very powerful bike. And he's just hoping if anybody spots it around that they might get on to him or get on to us. Or if the motorbike fraternity wants to help him to replace it, they might go to that GoFundMe. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 
Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. As I told you at the start of the programme, if we get anything from that Eroctus Health Committee, there's due to be a statement to come out some stage today about Owen Akura. If we get it before the end of the show, and if we can jump on it before the end of the show, we will certainly do that. If not, of course, we'll follow it up tomorrow. We also asked people about that meeting attended last night in Cork by the Minister for Disabilities, Anne Rabbit. Uh, I reminded you that uh, she was invited to join us on the opinion line, but declined to do so, as is, is her right. We were wondering, were you at the meeting? Were you satisfied with what she had to say about services? Etc. Um, well, Trish says, I was at the meeting with the minister. I applaud her for coming down and for listening to parents. The cynic in me can't see it making much difference. I came away with a feeling of relief that it's not just me having issues, but also deflated that there seem to be so few positives for the provision of services for children with a disability. And on the minister's refusal or de- declining of our invitation, just goes to show what a spineless person she is. What do you expect from a government that is out of touch with the people? That's from Joe. Spineless is a strong word, Joe, but take it on board. You're not happy that she declined our invitation. 0818 96 96 96. Later this hour, I'll be catching up with John Paul Rickin. You'll remember John Paul. I spoke to him last November. He was living then in Australia and his wife, Susan, had been diagnosed with cancer. And unfortunately, she she died very shortly after that interview that I did with John Paul. John Paul has now moved back to Cork, or he's back here at the moment, but has also set up a foundation in his wife's name, uh, campaigning for better awareness of bowel cancer. I will talk to John Paul a little later this hour. We are with our friends at Blackwater Motors all this week. Their annual demo and used car event is on with 500 cars to choose from, more than 500 cars to choose from across the Volkswagen and Seat ranges. Starts today, runs right through to Sunday and they're open on Sunday, 12 to 4 at Forge Hill, Fermoy and Skibbereen. All the deets you want are on blackwatermotors.ie. I have a 250 euro voucher every day. Then on Friday, one of our daily winners will be upgraded to a 500 euro voucher and we need you to name our celebrity motorist which would be useful if I could do this I am walking on water now who is that I am walking on water now oh it's 3396 9696 with his name and yours now it's 110 years this year since the Titanic set sail on her maiden voyage and we know what happened uh, her her last port of call was Cove, then known of course as Queenstown and this weekend the British Titanic Society 
will hold its annual convention in Cove, based at the Commodore Hotel. Starts tomorrow, Thursday, runs through until Sunday. And it's a huge occasion for that society. And I've been speaking to their president, David Scott Bedard. Well, David, 110 years ago this year since the tragedy of the Titanic, which makes it a significant anniversary in its own right. What do you think is the fascination with this story, this tragedy, 110 years on? Yes, it, um, it, it's fascinated generations um, virtually ever since 1912, through the, through the last 110 years. Why is it so fascinating? Well, that's the age-old question, and I suppose the answer really is, is based on the fact that it's a story that has just about everything. I've even heard it said it's the second greatest story ever told. Is it fair to say that we still don't really know the full story of what happened on that fateful night? No, I, I don't think we ever will. But that said, um, there are there are dozens of historians around the world who who studied Titanic for 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 many years, and it's probably the most well documented story, particularly chronologically. Now, our beautiful town of Cove uh, yes. le- lends itself, obviously, to, to uh, a commemoration like this. You have a big event planned. It is a big event, for, particularly for the British Titanic Society, as well as the 110th anniversary of the Titanic tragedy. It's also our 35th birthday. So um, it's the first time the, the BTS, uh, the British Titanic Society, have been to Cove. We were originally... Uh, scheduled to come to you in 2020 but of course covid took care of that and again in 2021 so this really is a convention that's been three years in the planning we have a, a wonderful itinerary of uh, of events uh, scheduled for our 75 delegates starting on uh, thursday uh, registration is thursday afternoon oh by the way i think it's important that i tell you that where that there will be a, a small exhibition in the hotel um, by, uh, by put on by White Star Memories, an international uh, Titanic uh, exhibition company. It's only small, but it's very significant. There are items from Titanic herself, particularly oh. a letter that was posted in Queenstown by a first-class passenger who then died in the tragedy. There is a full recreation of the first-class grand staircase. There's a nine-foot model of Titanic uh, a grand staircase, uh, original ceiling light from the sister ship Olympic, and and we 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 do welcome and and so do the, the Commodore Hotel. We do welcome visitors to come along uh, and see these artifacts and uh, and talk to uh, any any of us there. We'll be quite happy to speak to anyone. I'm quite fascinated that in your thirty five years you you've never had your convention in Cove. I take yes. it many of your members would have visited individually before now. Yes, quite a few of them have. Um, We also went to Belfast about uh, five years ago. Um, The the British Titanic Society have always thought of Southampton as our spiritual home because that's where the society was founded and we're normally there every other year. But we've made a conscious effort now to go out and visit visit places such as Cove and Belfast that are vitally important to, to the Titanic story. So over the course of the next number of days, you you will be touring 
the, the official walking tour. You'll be also going to the Lusitania Monument, I believe, and there's a, a, a little commemoration wreath-laying ceremony. Yes, probably one of the most poignant events for, for the delegates is on Friday morning. We're taking a boat tour first of all around the harbour uh, so the delegates can see uh, the Heartbreak Pier by the White Star Line offices, which is now the uh, Titanic Experience Museum and, and Restaurant. And then we're going out to, to Roche's Point. Um, hopefully we're going to be, I can't say too much about this, but hopefully we're going to be joined by a couple of other vessels to help in the commemoration. And we'll be laying wreaths and... Uh, there'll be a reading and some music on the spot where where Titanic uh, dropped anchor. Yeah, and of course where the tender coming out from Cove met her. That's immortalised in art and in music and in song. Isn't it incredible, David? And same with Belfast, because I was only in Belfast last year and I went to the Titanic exhibition and took that walking tour around the shipyard where she was built. This incredible moment, tragic moment in history, commemorated in in the town from which people left. It's very special. Very special indeed. And of course, uh, it was the last uh, land that uh, many of the the passengers, particularly those who who perished, it was the last land that they saw. And many of them were were leaving from from Cove, Queenstown as it was then, Mm. to, to start a new life, a new beginning. And, uh, of course, it for many, it, it ended in tragedy. Many of the, the real enthusiasts that have come to visit, and I remember being down there at the centenary and the number of people who had actual connections, maybe second or third generation. I find a lot of enthusiasts do have a connection. Do you or any of your members? Yes, we do. Two, two of our members uh, who, who will be attending are direct descendants, one from... Uh, uh, a lady called Jean Legg, who, who was the daughter of Sidney Daniels, who was a third-class steward. He survived. And um, and also um, a lady called Dorothy Kendall, whose mother whose mother was, was a passenger also. Um, and uh, interestingly, uh, our opening ceremony is at 2.30 p.m. at the Commodore Hotel, and it's going to be officiated and the ribbon will be cut by a lady called Deidre O'Brien, whose great uncle, I think I've got that right, was her grandfather's brother, uh, was, was Dennis O'Brien. And he was a third class passenger who boarded at Queenstown and, and sadly perished. You have a number of lectures as well over the weekend for your delegates. We have. There, there are six uh, lectures scheduled. Two of them, uh, there are American gentlemen flying in uh, who, who will be giving lectures. Also, Marita Foster from the uh, Cove University will be lecturing about SS Celtic. And we have a lecture by Sonnen Maloney about Lusitania. So it's it's a really packed weekend. And of course, you mentioned the walking tour, a visit to the museum. And on Sunday, of course, we'll be laying wreaths in the morning at the Titanic and Lusitania Memorial. And then we'll be joining in on uh, Sunday afternoon with the uh, Cove Heritage uh, ceremonies as well. Have a wonderful weekend and uh, an enjoyable commemoration. Thank you, PJ. We're really, really looking forward to it. It's David Scott Bedard from the British Titanic Society. And up to yesterday, there may still be, I don't know, they have their gala dinner Saturday night at the Commodore. And 
the talk will be of Titanic and there's memorabilia and there's a little museum and everything set up for the weekend and there were, uh, as of yesterday, some tickets left uh, to purchase for Saturday night's event in the Commodore if you were so inclined. 0818 96 96 96. On the subject of the education and the early years, Kevin says, for me, it has to come under the umbrella of the depot, the Department of Education, and then they need to nationalise it. And also, my service takes in 30,000 in core funding, but sick pay has come in. That's going to cost me, the employer, 26 grand a year, so core funding is wiped out. My core funding isn't taking into account inflation, non-contact time, or pension contributions. 0818 96 96 96. There was something else I was supposed to say now, and I've completely forgotten, but look, it'll come back to me. It, it will at some point. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, I knew what it was I meant to say to you before the break. Uh, President Zelensky is addressing the Joint Houses of the Oireachtas at the moment. You'll hear it all on news bulletins throughout the day, no doubt, but he has said, I am very grateful to you, to every citizen of Ireland. Thank you for supporting sanctions against Russia. Thank you for the humanitarian and financial support extended to our country. And thank you for caring about Ukrainian people who found shelter on your land. You did not doubt helping us. You began doing this right away. And although you are a neutral country, you have not remained neutral to the disaster and to the mishaps Russia has brought to Ukraine. The opening remarks of President Zelensky in the houses of the Oireachtas this morning. Just wanted to bring you those. Now, last November, I spoke to John Paul Ricken. Uh, John Paul, at the time, was living in Australia and his his family had received de- devastating news that his wife, Susan, had been diagnosed with cancer, that unfortunately that cancer was terminal. And at the time, we spoke about having just decided on a whim during a walk down by Black Rock Castle one evening, we'll be head off to Australia for a bit. And they did, and they made their life there. Well, sadly, not long after that conversation, uh, Susan passed away. And John Paul, you, you are, are you back in Cork permanently now? Good morning to you. On DJ. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm back. Um, I came back on the 28th of January. So I'm back about seven or eight weeks now. So yeah, I'll be back promptly now, me and the children. Right. How are you, mate? I'm, uh, I'm all right. Um, as I say, uh, I'm good. Like I said, every day I know is, um, is a new day. So it's hard. It's hard now kind of settling back in. As I said, I was gone for 10 years. So um, I'm getting there off day by day, kind of, you know. So it's just... Um, she, As she, I passed, said, she passed away very quickly after we had that, that interview. She, she didn't... Um, three weeks later. Yeah. Um, yeah, just... Um, we were in the hospital when I did the interview the last time. I think the following week, then we um, we, we, we went home. Um, yeah, I just pra- practically became a home nurse. Then I had to quit my job, so I became a kind of home nurse. Um, and yeah, uh, within a week, then she was um, she just got worse and worse, and um, she was um, admitted into the hospice. The hospice is kind of like it's um, 
kind of similar to Mary Montel, really. Yeah. So uh, she was there three, three uh, she was only there three days, and then she passed away on the, the 19th of November. Yeah. So all in all, four weeks. Yeah. Four weeks from diagnosis. Five, five, uh, I had four weeks from diagnosis, yeah. Yeah. And it was, just going back, I don't want to be, go back over too many painful memories, but you told me at the time that she'd been perfectly healthy, happy with the kids and yeah. without warning yeah. that started yeah. happening. Susie said Susan, said at the time Susan was one of the healthiest person I ever, ever you'd ever see. Like she was never, never, the only time she was in hospital was for the two children. She was never sick. She never took a, she never, she wouldn't even take a Panadol because she was, she just didn't, that's the way she was. She was, she used to go to the gym. She did yoga. She was, she was perfectly healthy. It was, as I said, there was no signs. Um, what age was she, John Paul? She was 35. Very young. No life. 35. No age, boy. No age. That's an awful thing. And, and how are the two youngsters? I know you only, now one of them is very small. Remind me again. Uh, Leo's, Leo's two and a half. He'll be, well, he'll be three in June. Right. And uh, Lucy was one on the 2nd of March. Um. Yeah, they're all, they're good. There's, um, they've they've settled in uh, pretty quick actually. Cork, um, Leo already has he's um first problem now with the, the layers of clothes coming on him. So there's <laughs> a battle every morning getting him ready now for school. Yeah. He's not he's not used to the cold weather. Yeah, no, no, yeah. yeah. How I mean, Lucy is problem if she is too small to understand what's sure. happened but but how is he he's um yeah he's 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 all right i think like he's definitely definitely kind of um was aware of the situation and you know he's especially when he sees other children with their mothers like already kind of has been a reaction to that um but he's um it's good, like, since we've come back, you know, as you said, he's got his grandparents and his aunts and uncles. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of, um, he's got a lot more love, I suppose, than he would out in Australia. So he's kind of, you know, that keeps him kind of going. Like, so, yeah, he's kind of, yeah, he's improving. He's improving. I've seen a lot of improvement over the last couple of weeks with him. Like, so that's good. Like, you, know? good. you had been, before this tragedy, John Paul, you had been very happy in Australia and while you said to me that Cork would always be home, Australia was where the future lay. Did did Susan passing away change everything? Did you did you want to get home for family and friends and network? Um well as I said we left here in twenty eleven. Like it's a big move in its own right and when we went to Port, you know, it's it's not easy. You set up a whole life so we set up a whole life out there. Um so we had our children and, you know, everything, things was going well. And as I said, like when we had the children, all right, you know, um, you know, Susan sometimes, all right, you know, she'd, you know, she talked about missing the family and, you know, it's a big sacrifice you make not, not having your family around and with the kids. Like, but we were happy there. Um, I tied with the decision, like, of staying and going, um, staying and coming back to Cork, you know, but I asked her before she died, what she'd like me to do, like, and she was just clear. She just said, look, I want to bring the children back to Cork, like. Nice. So, like, even if it came down to it. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, whatever I felt myself, like she, it was her wish for me to bring the children back, so uh, it wasn't even debate. So I just yeah. just made that decision to come back, like you know. Um, as I said, um, yeah, it was just that was it. Really, we just I just it was a no brain. I just I had to bring them back, and uh, so we're back here now. Anyway, so that's just yeah. Yeah. Just have to kind of get 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 used to it now all over again, you know. Kind of have to turn yeah. up a whole you know again, you know. I know. Did you did you did you did you get a chance to to talk in the last couple of weeks, or was she was she well enough to talk to yeah. you? No, we got. See, a, lot, a lot of people would ask me about that I'd have a will and all that. We didn't. I didn't have a will. We because we didn't have time. We were told she'd say our team and we'd have. You know, months or maybe a few years. Um, she just got six or quick, yeah. um, and we didn't. You know, she, Susan was kind of she was so positive. She thought she was going. Um, well, she didn't. I know what she she was knew she was going to fight it, and she thought like you know she we were going to fight it for a long time and see how we we got on with us. But uh, she just got so quick. She got six or quick. Yeah. We. Didn't have a chance to talk about anything. The only thing I got out of her was she wanted me to bring the children home. Um, and uh, that was it, really. Yeah. I, we didn't have, I, I got, I didn't ask her about, you know, what she wanted me with the future. And we didn't have time. I was yeah. too busy looking after her, like before, like she was so sick. I, just, I was just full on with her. Yeah. Um, so we really, yeah, we really didn't get. I got no time at all, really, but to be honest, PJ, you know. I, know. I know, and that's heartbreaking. Was she laid to rest out there, or, or what happened? Yeah, we had, um, yeah, we had um, a funeral in Port, yeah. Um, uh, a bit of a private, bit of a private ceremony, yeah, just with um, friends, um, and a couple of work colleagues, and um, we got our cremated then in Port, and... Uh, I brought the ashes home then. Ah, oh, good man, good man. Um, yeah, I spread uh, spread some outside because, as I said, we were out there for well, 10 to 15 years together. We lived in Australia, so it was a big part of our life. So I, I left some ashes in, in Port in, yeah. in the ocean and I brought the rest back then. Good man. Now talk to me about the foundation that you set up, uh, the Susan Ricken Foundation, and you started, started a petition. Well, it was just, you know, like she was, she was 35, as, as I said, she was never sick. Um, as I said, I didn't even know, really know what bowel cancer was mm. before it happened to Susan. And I was just, you know, I'd like, I just, I was just thinking in my head, I was like, how, how, how did she die? Why did she die? What happened? And I just, one of the girls said something to me one day in Port and, I just had just an idea. I just said, like, you know, I want to set up a foundation. Just keep her, because as I said, she was 
She was a better woman. Like, I knew I just wanted to keep my memory alive. So I, I just set something up and uh, emailed a couple of people. And then within a week, there was just people messaging me from all over the world. Uh, I, t- I did several kind of interviews over newspapers and radios in Australia and yourself there and a couple of people in Ireland. And yeah, just the messages then just kept pouring in from all over the place and just people sharing their stories um, with bowel cancer and people like kind of going through similar kind of stuff to me mm. um, and just kind of exploded kind of then from that I, I had over 200,000 views within the first week and a half and I was like what is going on here so I kind of just kind of kicked off from there and um, we um, so like in Australia like the age for bowel screening is for over 50s 50 to 74 yeah. in Ireland it's 60 to 69 so really it's it's an they call it it's an old person disease, but like Susan was only thirty five, yeah. and people have been reaching out for me uh, across the world, telling me the stories from their mothers to their brothers to their fathers to their sisters to their nephews in their like twenties, thirties, forties. So yeah. it's killing people, and it's people all over the world in their their thirties and the younger younger again. I've been affected with it, but there's just no awareness about it. So the, the foundation paid really, I set up was just it's an awareness and it's a bit of a platform as well because, you know, cancer's not a nice thing to talk about. People don't want to, and you know, people don't want to talk about cancer. People don't want to talk about, you know, the possibility of getting it or having it. It's not a nice thing to talk about. It's the reality of it. So the page is set up, you know, some people might get comfort. Um, you know, behind the screen or, you know, putting their story up. Yeah. So it's a bit of a platform for people to go on and have a look and they can share their stories. And as I said, a lot of people are getting back to me and talking to me and, you know, they're sharing their, their own stories and, you know, people yeah. are kind of thanking me, like, for putting it out there. So, you know, people are getting a bit more braver to be talking yeah. about it. And um, so I set up the petition then in Australia. That's the Lord, the bowl screen from 50 um, down to 30 now most they're doing a campaign bowel cancer Australia to get it down to 45 but as I said it's you know it's killing people in their 30s like in Australia bowel cancer is the biggest um, killer at the moment from in Australians any 25 to 44 years of age right. but again people don't, people don't know this like so the petition was set up yeah my two friends two girls in Port um they set up uh, the petition and fairness how they got to go on and that's to the House of Representatives and Parliament in Australia. Um, oh, I need 50,000 signatures by the 27th of April for it even to be heard, you know, or even mm. to be put forward, um, which is a tough task. We set up last Wednesday, I've got about two, I think I've got about 2,300 signatures so yeah. far, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's pretty amazing. Um, can, can anybody sign it from anywhere? No, that's the thing. You have to be an Australian resident or um, Australian citizen. It makes sense, like I suppose, you know, it's over, um, if it was anywhere in the world, I'd have it 50,000, not a bottle. So it's yeah. a hard kind of trying to, you know, contact people since I'm back in Cork, like, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, I've I've still got three weeks, so you know I'll give it a good bash, like, see what happens. Um, 
at the main thing, it's still it's up and running. It's we'll give it a shot, and yeah, as I said, I'm in dialogue with a couple of MPs and stuff over, so it's people are no but look, even if I don't get it, it's all about awareness anyway. And as I said, people are getting back to me and talking to me, and you know, people are getting tested and you know it's kind of people are taking orders you know what and somebody might somebody might listen here and 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 start oh, this is like people younger here you know yeah but look like i reckon i reckon with Ireland, like it's there's a, there is awareness in australia for it but like when i look into the resources of in Ireland, there's absolutely no awareness or there's no um no kind of like whatever does not people don't like you have breast cancer prostate cancer lung cancer bowel cancer is kind of bottom of the barrel like people don't really know how much about it um as i said but it's what with all my research now and talking to people um unfortunately it's, it's called young onset bowel cancer but unfortunately it's on the rise yes really since about 2015 i again I don't know. I don't know 100 um, percent the reasons for it, but it's really on the rise. As I said, as, as I said, I'm getting a lot of cases and hearing a lot of stories about people. So, yeah, that's it. It's all if if, I can, if people listen and you know, I might get people if they have any symptoms or feel you know feel any worry in their mind that they could have uh, anything to you know try and get it checked out or whatever you know. Well, as you know. Uh, our radiothon, which is entirely focused on cancer, John Paul, that's coming up. In fact, it's coming up forty nine days away. So we might we might talk about it again around that time and try and get people to be aware of it and research and all that kind of thing. Just before I let you go, who's looking after? You're looking after the kids. You're looking after the foundation. You're looking after yeah. Susan Smith. Who's minding John Paul? <laughs> I say I don't like. The parents have been fantastic, no, as well. I've got uh, got three brothers and a sister and they've uh, they've been very good. Right. And uh, Susan's family as well, you know what I mean? They are look they, you know what they're um, they might think they might think or they might say, but they are looking after me. Um and it's good just be around with a couple of buddies as well and good. you know, it's good. It, as I said, it's as I said it's hard been back here, but um, you know, I've been around family and Everybody's kind of uh, makes it a bit easier to do what I'm doing, you know. Well, you're doing, you're doing, you're doing her proud, fella. You're doing her proud, and and um, good, good to speak with you. Look after yourself. Yeah. Look after those beautiful kids, and maybe we'll meet in person sometime soon. John Paul Ricken, uh, getting it together and getting on with it. The Susan Ricken Foundation. You can Google it and you'll find it. If you happen to be an Australian citizen in Ireland or anywhere that's listening to us, anywhere in the world, and this radio program has audiences and podcast listeners the world over. If you are anywhere in the world listening to us and you're an Australian citizen or there's an Australian citizen that you know, would you please get them to sign that petition for John Paul. Premier League live back this Saturday at 96fm.ie, powered by Talk Sport. Trevor Welsh and the team with live coverage of Everton versus Manchester United at half 12, Arsenal against Brighton at 3, and then Aston Villa v Spurs at 5.30. Three big ones on Saturday. The Premier League live online with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership. It's your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with now and then listen Saturday 
on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. I'll be glued to now myself over the weekend because of the golf. Um, but we'll catch up on a soccer match or two, I think, as well. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Stephanie Rainey hits the road this April with a number of dates around Ireland, including a show coming up at St. Luke's in Cork on April 30th. Tickets are on sale now from usual outlets. Access all areas. Coming up this weekend, Aslam will perform two shows at Cork Opera House as part of their 40th anniversary tour. Tickets are on sale now for the shows taking place on Friday and Saturday night from the Opera House box office or corkoperahouse.ie. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. April, for some reason, is very big for awareness days and awareness weeks and awareness months. We've got autism, we've got cystic fibrosis coming up on Friday. And this is National Arthritis Week. And one which uh, Peter Boyd from Arthritis Ireland, this is one which is uh, close to my heart, or rather close to my misfortunate neck, which has been riddled for the last 20 years. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me. I, I think you're, you're, you have that in common with so many people around the country and, and around Cork, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, it's a very, very common complaint, arthritis. Now, there are two main kinds, isn't it? Osteo and rheumatoid. Two very different things. Which is the more common? Um, so they, they are they're two two very different things, and I suppose they would be the one that the ones that people are most aware of and, and would know the most about. Um, osteoarthritis is related um, mostly to to age and to to um, repetitive movement, so to do with wear and tear of, of work and things like that. Um, so that would be something that people would probably be more most uh, knowledgeable about and and kind of know from relatives as they as they get older and, and things like that. Um, and that would probably be the the, the most common um, introduction to arthritis for people. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis is is also known as an inflammatory form of arthritis. So it's something that um, often Im- impacts on the the immune system. So there's a, a mix up in the in the signals where the immune system is normally there to protect us and to to um, to keep us safe and keep us strong and healthy. But there it, it attacks healthy cells within the joints, and that's what causes the the damage. Um, to the joints and the pain and the inflammation that that people uh, experience, uh, they would be the two most common uh, types of arthritis. But there are over a hundred different different types, so um, it, it can be it can be a very complex uh, description of of what exactly arthritis is. Yeah. And you can you can start it quite young. Um, I mean, I've, yeah. I've lost you for twenty years. 
and I'm yeah, it's it's it, no, no, it's it, it, not at all. It's it's a, it's an equal opportunities employer is is arthritis. It, it it can get anyone from from any age. Um, there are there are children, um, toddlers and and and, and young children, um, teenagers, right the way through up to to to, to uh, centenarians who, who who will be living with with arthritis. It's um, it can affect at any age, and um, that's one of the the things that we would try and do in, in raising awareness is to is to let people know. That that it can affect any age, um, I suppose, until it's maybe somebody in your family or somebody that in your circle of friends that, that is impacted. A lot of people aren't aware that it can strike at, at any age um, and, and, and impact on every aspect of your life. Yeah. Now, exercise is very useful. Uh, it keeps the body flexible, I guess. Yes, yeah, so very much so. It's it's an element of 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 self management and and of keeping the joints supple and and keeping the 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 um the movement as much as possible. What what we don't want to see is somebody trying to protect their joints and and not moving at all, and that will only lead to increased stiffness, increased pain, and more damage to the joints. So it's important to to maintain as much flexibility, movement, and activity as possible. And that's that's what we're really trying to push uh, this week with with. National Arthritis Week is all about getting physical, and that's that's not uh, to say that everyone has to be climbing mountains and 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 running running marathons. You know, it, for it's whatever level you are at. So if if you're able to do a, a walk around the block, if you're able to do a five k uh, walk, or if for you, if if getting up and down out of the chair five times in a row is your is your workout, that's what we're looking to do is just to keep people moving at a at a at a level that's moderate and um, for the for the themselves and, and and to keep that flexibility. There's a theory out there and I've read into it a bit that, that movement, repetitive movement that your body comes to understand is going to happen every day or every couple of days almost stimulates the body to produce its own painkillers and its own anti-inflammatories which in arthritis yeah. is everything. Well, that's it. We we want to get reduce the amount of pain and inflammation that 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 we're experiencing. You know, those of us living with arthritis know all about pain and, and inflammation and how it impacts on our lives. So, if you can do that, you know, as, as you mentioned, the the research into the the so called runners high and and the the endorphins that are released from from physical activity and exercise, and that's what we're looking to to uh, encourage people to do, not to stop when they have a diagnosis of arthritis, um, and also then it, it can also prevent. Or, or 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 ward off the the symptoms and and, and reduce the the impact that it has at the beginning uh, for somebody if they can keep movement uh, going. So whether as I say whether that's walking, cycling, swimming, you know, playing golf, working in the garden, whatever it is that that keeps you move moving and and keeps you physically active. In terms of taking a medication, uh, rheumatoid in particular, you, you you read a bit about side effects. You've got to be very careful what you can take. Uh, with regard to because it, with it being an autoimmune, it's it's a funny old be- old beast. Yeah, that's that, that's been a, a difficulty for for lots of people and myself included. You know, when you're taking uh, medications because it's a, it's a, it's impacting on the immune system and there's a there's a problem there within the immune system that it's not acting the way it should. A lot of the medications are are dampening the immune system and and, and making that less effective and, and not letting it work to its optimum. So what happens is you are more susceptible then to to other conditions, other other. Uh, 
viruses or or um, infections and things like that. So you do have to be more careful. You do have to watch out for those kind of things. And then there are other side effects uh, like like you would have with any medication. Um, you, you you can have nausea, you can have headaches, you can have other things mm. that come along with the medications because they are quite strong. Um, it, it, that, the medications that we take, um, they can they can be quite harsh. Yeah. Sometimes a, a lot of them on the stomach in particular. So yeah. they'd often be given with a with a with a, a, a tablet that will look after that um, as well, yeah. just to protect the stomach. It can have an effect on mental health. Uh, we had a, a listener contact us, particularly about rheumatoid, because he's had it qu- since quite young, and is worried mm-hmm. about it getting worse as they get older. And was saying, look, this really affects their mental health. They worry about their health. They worry about their ability to move and function in the future. Absolutely, that's that's one of one of the major uh, impacts of of, um, of of any diagnosis of arthritis is a, is a, is an anxiety and a worry about the future, and it's something that we've looked into and, and something that we've developed um, a course to to try and help people and to and to support people through that. So we have self management courses that that look after all types of arthritis. Well, now we have a, a new uh, course called Behind the Pain, which is which is for people and like that. It is with a psychotherapist to look at that whole element of um, the mental side of things. I know I, I particularly struggled myself when I when I was diagnosed, and it's it's a very common uh, impact of, of of the diagnosis is to is to worry about the future and, and what might happen it, it down the line for people. Is it fair to say that what what is of an advantage here, Peter, is that like you said, there's about a hundred different kinds, but but of the main two or three forms of arthritis, there's something about which we know quite a lot which means there is a lot of help out there for people who are diagnosed or it might be getting worse or are worried they might have it or worried about a family member who's suffering a lot of pain. Yeah, that's that is the thing. We, we there's there's research ongoing all the time. It's it's something that that we're very fortunate in Ireland. We have some really good centres of research, centres of excellence in in research that that we're involved in in arthritis Ireland to to support and and they're they're constantly looking into into that to to try and find. Um, look, our, our our main aim is to find a cure, uh, and we and we hope hope that it'll happen. But that is ongoing to to do that. But also with the services that we provide, you know, we have our national helpline, um, which is there for people to talk to, to peers, people who are experiencing the same thing as they are, the same impacts on their daily life um, and, and different impacts of, uh, it, whether it's employment, with their family, with, with, with different things like that. And people can talk to, to, to people who have experienced exactly what they're going through, no matter what the actual type of arthritis is, the impacts are often very, very similar. And so we can talk to them via our helpline and our online forums uh, to, to be able to support and, and inform people and give them that that sense of um, support and community so that they don't feel so isolated. Can you shout that helpline number at me there, Peter? I, I, I will indeed. It's 0818-252-846. And I'll, I'll give that again just, just in case. So it's 0818-252-846. Okay, and that's the Arthritis Ireland helpline and I've had a look at the website this morning and you have pages and pages and lots and lots of information for all kinds. You've got an event I think just run this weekend with Karen Quinn finally. 
Yeah, so uh, it's actually t- tomorrow, uh, PJ. It, it's taking place. Um, so it's a, we've been running um, videos uh, throughout the week. Uh, Karen Quinn is a is a, a physiotherapist, chartered physiotherapist, who's been doing uh, exercise videos for us uh, throughout the week. But there's an online webinar taking place tomorrow, and uh, at one o'clock, and people can register via our website um, to to take part in that. And it's a live session with with Karen, which is you know really invaluable. It's it's guided. It's it's uh, by a chartered physiotherapist and it allows people to see the movements that they can do which are adapted for people with arthritis and really gives them a, a good grounding in the in the movements and activities that they can do with, while living with arthritis. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. Peter Boyd from Arthritis Ireland. Their website is arthritisireland.ie Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Quick reminder of our Blackwater Motors competition all this week again to mark their annual demo and used car event. Over 500 cars to choose from across Volkswagen and Seat ranges. Starts today, runs up till Sunday, 12 to 4 on Sunday at Forge Hill, Fromoy and Skibbereen. All the dates you want are on blackwatermotors.ie. €250 giveaway every day and then an upgrade on Friday to 500 quid for one of our daily winners. Who is our celebrity motorist? I am walking on water now. Right, who is it? I am walking on water now. His name and yours to 083 396 96 96. I mentioned at the top of the programme about Anne Rabbit, the Minister for Disabilities. She was at a meeting in Cork last evening. Now, we knew she was coming for this meeting and with it being Autism Awareness Month and with us having countless inquiries week in, week out about families looking for services for for kids and, and loved ones. We wanted to talk to her and we requested an interview and her office declined us that. We'll maybe get her again. She's entitled to decline if that's what she wishes to do. But Katie, you, you went to that meeting. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Good. What happened? I mean... families shared their experiences our lived experiences our children's experiences with lack of equipment services care or empathy being shown to them and and she had no answers she was like a deer in headlights she had nothing constructive to say she couldn't account for millions of euros that's being pumped into the disability sector is going it's not, I mean, we're buying our children private equipment. Yeah. Where is this money going? My daughter has a life-limiting illness. And for five years, I have advocated strongly for Penelope and for her rights. And I have been, ter- I have been told and gaslit by everyone from the HSE to services that things that my daughter needs, she doesn't need. Mm. <laughs> and it's all down to... HSE contracts, 
what is deemed suitable for your child. Nothing is viewed on a on a individual basis, on a patient to patient basis. Like what is it, Katie, that Penelope needs? What does she need? Well, for example, our daughter throughout throughout lockdown, you hear how difficult it was for people being, you know, cocooning and things like that. We had a child without a suitable seat in lockdown. We couldn't get a physio to come out and these seats are, you can adjust the size because they grow with the child. Our child was squished into a seat and and at a point couldn't be used. We had to privately buy a specialised seating piece which is deemed a luxury by the HSE and it's a a postural seat called a pea pod. It was over €2,000. We had to fund that because it's a luxury for a child that cannot and will not ever be able to sit independently. This is something that people sometimes can't really understand. Like, sitting is something that comes so naturally to us all. Our daughter can't do that. She's peg-fed. This means that she's fed formula straight into her tummy because she can't eat. My daughter has never swallowed a spoon of food in her life. And I was told by SLTs in the services that she could eat. She survived off bottles of milk until she had just turned over two. And she regressed. And whilst we were waiting for a video fluoroscopy to see if she even could swallow, a two-year-old child stopped eating overnight. And when I say eating, sucking a bottle and a bottle of milk that would flow out of her mouth, she was practically starving. And I was fighting for my daughter for two solid years for someone to listen to me. And it wasn't until she regressed to the point of needing an NG tube, which goes into her nose to feed her straight into her stomach. She has a condition called dystonia, which means that she has like spasm-like movements. So her hands come up to her face and she was pulling the tube out of her nose. Not intentionally. Penelope can't use her hands with any intent. Um, and she was at high risk for aspiration. She had to go for emergency surgery for a peg tube to have her fed directly into her stomach. How old is she, Katie? Penelope's now five, and she's had a very difficult life. She is the light of our lives. We worship her. She is the most precious child. And it's children like Penelope, who do not have time. Penelope, we strongly feel that her family has had her best days, and she's on the downward trajectory. It's a life-limiting illness. And she has had to battle with us for everything. To be shown consideration, to get her into services was impossible. And once we were in services and receiving, you know, regular enough physiotherapy, it was a PBS was rolled out, the Progression of Disability Services. And the world stopped. That hasn't worked out at all, according to anyone I'm talking to. So you got an opportunity, I think, to say your piece last night at this meeting. I did, and I spoke about three times and was completely dismissed. The last time I spoke to Minister Anne Rabbit, um, I spoke about Penelope, how Penelope is on a list for a superpubic catheter, a five-year-old child who I have to quantify to public health nurses how many nappies she needs in a day, how many incontinence she's a doubly incontinent child needs per day. And I was telling Anne Rabbit, my daughter struggles 
how we have got a bath seat that was donated to us by a family whose child has passed away because the HSE will not provide our daughter who has a very rare genetic condition. There's only one other person globally who has the same variant as Penelope. So we don't know what to expect. She has a movement disorder. She cannot be bathed with dignity. And, and the HSE do nothing to help because it's not the, the equipment that we need for Penelope is not on a contract list. It, it is inhumane. And when I was telling Anne Rabbit this, at the very end, she said, okay, next person. She wanted to hear from new people. She had heard enough. She didn't like me pulling her up on asking her why she didn't excuse herself for being 20 minutes late. Did she understand what 20 minutes for a family like ours can be? 20 minutes, if I had 20 extra minutes at home, I could have given my daughter one of her medications. I could have helped my husband get her prepared for bed. And then I could have gone to this forum where people were, well, I was humiliated, pouring my heart out to a room full of strangers. I'm now doing it on the radio. And dismissed like a piece of dirt on her shoe, as if my experience doesn't matter and as if my child's suffering is is just completely unimportant. Yeah. And you just felt she moved on to the next person? Well, I, I, I told her that she had no empathy. Nobody in that room has any... Uh, she's not fit for the job. And I think everyone would agree that with that. It, it, we were putting questions to her. We were getting the answers. My daughter has no place in school next year or in this coming September. No place. We can't even send her back to preschool because I've already opted in for the overage exemption. Because thanks to PDS, we were unable to obtain a cognitive assessment for Penelope, which you need to kind of, I suppose, say what kind of intellectual disability she has. Yeah. She's on the severe end of the scale. Can, can I ask, Casey, does she, does she talk? No? No, 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 she's completely nonverbal. She's profoundly disabled in every sense. Um, she... Uh, how do you get by? How do you and, and, and your partner get by? How do you, how do you mind yourselves in, in between trying to mind a child with such needs? Well, looking after Penelope is a privilege. And I sometimes feel when we have to advocate like this and we have to go public, that message can get lost. I honestly would spend all my days with Penelope if I could. We have her in this world for a very short time. And I want to spend as long as I can with her. The fact that she won't be going to school in September, that just means that we get more time with her. But it's robbing her of an experience. It's robbing us of the experience of sending our little child to school in her uniform. The right to education stripped from her. She can't advocate for herself. She's at a fantastic preschool in Cork. She attends Child Vision and it's the only place where we ever hear positive things about our daughter, about what she can do, about her abilities, and about what a beautiful child she is. And that gets lost in these conversations. Myself and my husband, David, adore Penelope, and we are heartbroken. Yeah. I'm with you. It's just until everybody cares, 
until this is an issue on everybody's lips, nothing will change. The damage that has been done will take decades to fix. There's children with autism that can't get places in school. There's violent children whose parents cannot get respite and who desperately need respite. And we're being told there is money, that it's not a funding issue, but the the main stop block and everything, we're we're not getting it. Nobody's getting it. it. It is horrific. This is not just an issue about physical disabilities or intellectual disabilities or autism. It is disabilities in general. We've all been pulled together. We've all got such different needs. Penelope's needs are completely different to any other child who is five with just a physical disability. Penelope is physically and intellectually disabled. And we're we're all in the one pot. We're all pulling from the one resource. It's not looked at as a patient-by-patient basis. The therapies that she has been denied, I can't tell you the last time a physiotherapist laid hands on her. And and she needs it. Her her body is sore and spasms. It's horrific. We pay for everything. Private physiotherapy, things that we should be getting through services and progression of disabilities, nobody is getting. Yeah. Certainly the the people that I've spoken to since the progression thing came in, the so-called umbrella service, it it hasn't made anything better. In actual fact, it seems to have made a lot of things worse. That was one of the things I wanted to ask the Minister about if she had uh, accepted our invitation to be on the programme. She she didn't, unfortunately. All I can do, Katie, is wish you well. Did you even feel heard last night? No, we we weren't heard. We were dismissed. How anybody can listen to what my five-year-old is going through and simply say, okay, next person. It it speaks volumes about how out of touch Anne Rabbit is. She claims to have not heard half these stories. And as I said to her, if she simply turns on a Google alert with the words disability, Ireland, children, she will hear. There's not a day that goes by that someone hasn't reached out to the to the media, radio, newspapers. I was on the late late advocating for my daughter and for all children. This is not just about Penelope. This is about all children being grossly failed and we all need to care. This isn't just an issue for families. It's an issue for us all. You never know the day you will need these services. Katie, I'm going to leave you there. Thank you. We, we thought we'd have a minute or two with you, but you had an awful lot more to say. And I wish you and David and that she sounds like such a gorgeous little kid, Penelope. All I can do is wish you the best. Thank you. Take care. That's Katie Healy Nolan. 0818 96 96 96. There's not much to say after that, is there? Antoinette didn't get to go to that meeting last night. Uh, it was for North Cork Court and Dan Rabbit's Twitter but you can guarantee I'll go to the next one and she wants to tell Anne Rabbit in person how she feels about the lack of services Anne Rabbit was in Cork last night to meet families about disability services no representative from HSE was available to come meeting went on till nearly midnight parents telling their heartbreaking stories about lack of therapy no school places no respite no help doesn't it say what the HSE actually thinks of our children that they couldn't even send someone to talk to us. That's from Joanne. 
I wish I was a millionaire to give Penelope's family the money and the help to need, they need. Heartbroken listening to that. Mags, appalling. Would love for Michal Martin TD to hear how one of his ministers treated a very distressed parent at that meeting last night. Is it any wonder she declined an interview? Wholly unacceptable. I'm on fire with temper, says another message. And John says, isn't it absolutely appalling that the rest of us elect people to help good people like Katie? And then we hear this. These people are quite literally not doing their job. It's people like her that the rest of us want near the front of the queue. It is awful that people under such stress have to do calls like this on the radio. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The Premier League Live, powered by Talk Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96FM.ie Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. Number one, that's top of the league. The Premier League Live with Now. Join in the experience with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download the Cork's 96fm app. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96fm. We're still awaiting what may be in that statement from the Health Committee of the Erectus about Onakura. And should we get anything in the next 35 minutes, we'll bring it to you. If not, we'll obviously revert back to it tomorrow. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. Huge response to to Katie there and indeed to Martina earlier. And as I've said before, we could fill a programme once a week with calls like that and people with stories like that, agonising stories heartbreaking stories of ordinary families going through extraordinary things. The text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. Now, I don't know what rosacea is. I think it's a skin condition of some kind. I don't know what it is. So therefore, the best thing for me to do is check in with Ivana Breen because this is Rosacea Awareness Month. Ivana, what is it? Good morning. Good morning. Um, Rosacea, you're right, is a skin condition. It's an inflammatory condition that generally presents itself down around the central panel of the face. So down around across the nose and cheeks, um, across the cheekbones. And it can have one or more symptoms. So it can be redness and high colouring, persistent redness, pustules, papules, little thread veins and sometimes it can be quite burning and stinging on the skin but just because you're displaying red cheeks doesn't necessarily mean that you have rosacea so you really need to go and see someone and let them determine whether or not it is rosacea. What's the cause of it Ivana? So it's genetic. Uh, You will genetically have inherited this condition. It is known as the curse of the Celts. So uh, Celtic skin would be more prone to it than uh, other skin types. But um, there's nothing that anybody would do that would cause it as such. So it's something that you're predisposed to. It's a sensitivity in the skin. And um, it's this overgrowth of a particular mite, or it's thought to be an overgrowth of, of a mite 
that we all have on our skin called the dermadex mite. Mm. Um, and just with people with rosacea, this mite tends to aggravate the skin more and that's that's what causes it. Can it be treated? It can be treated, but there's no cure. So it's about learning how to manage it as best you can. There's no known cure for rosacea uh, currently, but it's about knowing what your triggers are. And everybody's triggers will be different with rosacea. Mm. So common triggers would be things like alcohol would be one of the very common triggers. Uh, For some people, it can be dairy. It can be spicy foods. Um, everyone's different. So something. So knowing sets it what off. your triggers are. Yeah. So knowing what your triggers are is is important. And I think keeping a good uh, a skin diary for a few weeks, and just watching in that diary, making note of the foods that you're eating, and how your skin is responding on a daily basis, and also your emotional state, because it's very much connected to our emotions. This particular condition. Um. So when we're stressed, it's it's that will cause flare-ups as well. How common is it? It's incredible. Ivana, are you there? Oh. Something like one in four. Can you hear me? I can. You, you dropped it. You, you're about yeah. to say it's very common. It is very commonplace, particularly in the Irish skin type. I don't know the exact numbers, but I would imagine it's something like one in four people. And is it something your GP can diagnose or do you have to go to a dermatologist? No, you don't have to go to a dermatologist. Your GP can diagnose it or you even coming into uh, a skin clinic like ourselves at Akina on uh, Leeson Street, we can tell you whether it's rosacea or not. There are going to be times when you need to refer back to your GP because for some people it will need a course of antibiotics and for some people, sometimes people are on a course of antibiotics for a long period of time, a low level of antibiotic. But that's not the case for everyone and certainly you can treat the condition and maintain it and learn how to manage it Mm. by working with a skin therapist and learning your triggers knowing what skincare works well for you knowing what can help calm it down and one of the simplest things that I would recommend for people to do and that will really help it enormously particularly for men because men seem to be quite lax with wearing sunscreen on a daily basis Mm. the UV rays can really aggravate the dermadex mite on a rosaceous skin and that can exacerbate this condition. Whereas if we're wearing sunscreen, we're protecting the skin from those UV rays. So every day, all year round, wear your sunscreen and that can really help. Okay, all right. Ivana, Ivana Breen, skincare expert, uh, Rosacea Awareness Month. Is there a website? Do you have a website people can go to or where can they start to inquire more? Yeah, so it's www.akina.ie and of course we're on Facebook, Akina Beauty and Laser Clinic and Instagram. You'll find me there, Ivana Breen, on Instagram as well. All right, thanks Ivana. 0818 96 96 96. Rosacea. If anybody's dealt with it and had it brought it under control, love to hear from you. 0818 96 96 96. Now we don't normally do this kind of message but um, it's quite upsetting because of the photos involved. John said his daughter is very upset. She left her handbag in the back of a taxi last night and it contains her phone with photos that are very special but haven't yet been backed up. 
She got a taxi around midnight at the quay behind the opera house and went to a house just off Commons Road. The phone is an iPhone 11 with a yellow cover. If anyone finds it, they can let us know, please. So, did some taxi driver pick up a fare near the opera house last night, go near Commons Road, and did you find the handbag? Inside in the handbag would have been an iPhone in a yellow cover. And if you found it, and we'd like to return it to its owner. A lot of the, and most of our taxi drivers, in fact, the vast majority of our taxi drivers are the kind of people who would pick that up and say, Do you know what, now, I'm going to bring that into the base at the first available opportunity. So here's hoping. And if you took one of the ones off the app, John, if, if, her, if your uh, daughter took the taxi off one of the taxi apps, then uh, she, she should probably contact the app provider and they can I know I know someone who found a wallet that way a couple of years ago quickly I saw this uh, Jacqueline the poor misfortunate cat what happened good morning to you um, Sunday night uh, about two minutes to ten uh, four lads passed my place with a dog they went around the corner for about a minute and a half two of them came back and I don't know if they told the dog a, a word to go get the cat or not because I have no, you know, I didn't hear anything. And um, the cat was, you saw the video, did you? You did. Poor cat. Yeah. 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 Um, I came home after dropping my daughter home and the cat was after being dragged from the porch out around, out the gate and out around the corner onto the street. The dog still had the cat by the neck when I pulled up in the car. Oh no. Oh God. I mean she she was after she was sitting she was sitting up on her chair. Yeah. Do you know, looking out just happy out, looking around in her own property. Now this is your son's cat and we've talked before about, about yeah. your son. Uh, yeah. he and I know any uh, like any child is attached to their pet, but in particular Yeah. How was he? Is he alright? He still have his door open, sleeping, waiting for the cat to come in. No, we we can't take it in yet. Her food's still there for her. Her litter trays are still there. We just, we just not. Does he know what happened? He does. He understands. I mean, he he does. He understands an awful lot more than I give him credit for. But. Uh, I mean, like, it's just awful up here. I was out talking to um, Mick Nugent last night and a few more councilmen that were up by both the roads and stuff. And a gang of young fellas passed and goes, Jackie, where's your cat? Do you know? They're not brazen up here. Not, let's not identify anybody, but if that's happening, then that's Oh, no, I, w- I wouldn't. That's awful. I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't know any of them anyway. I wouldn't know their names. Do you know? Awful. I mean, like, there's so many, there's so many lads up here. I couldn't tell you one from the other. I mean, as you know, my window was put in five yes, weeks ago we as well. Talking, we were talking to you about that, and, and the yeah. problems still haven't been haven't been solved. But this is getting this is very, very, very serious. And, yeah. And your your lad, like he just he doesn't get it. It doesn't doesn't register with him, no. I don't get it. I mean, the child doesn't blame the dog because the dog doesn't know better. I mean, it's the people that own them trained that dog to kill. That's what it looks like. Isn't it? They stood there. They stood there watching. I have great footage of them, and the cars have the footage. Good. 
you know, so it's just like we're just we're just we're just numb. We're all numb. I mean, my husband got sick and everything outside in front uh, when he saw the blood dripping I, down from the chair. I have two. And I, have, I have two the little cats myself. Was a mess. Two cats myself. The porch was a mess. And if anyone yeah. did anything like that, I don't know what I'd do. I don't know what I'd do. I mean, I mean, like it's just, it's just beyond belief that people can train their dogs to kill. Next time, there's going to be babies born for the summer. Their parents are going to be out in the front in the sun with their little babies in a bouncer. They might go walking for a dummy or something. It could be a child next. It could be a little baby inside in the bouncer next outside their door. That's always the worry, isn't it? If you tra- and if, yes. If a dog is They have a to, taste for blood. If a dog is taught to attack an, another animal, then... Yes. You don't know where a small goes. child is like a small, a small, a small child is like an animal to them. I hope that himself will be all right soon and that he'll, he'll manage to get his head around it, which I, I doubt very much. You struggle yourself to uh, get your head around he's it. After, he's after making a little memory thing here with a packet of dreamies and his little toys and a rosary bead and a picture drawn by his friend. Uh, he'll put here on his, next to his um, table on a little, small little stool. Do you know? All right. All right. There's, 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 there's nothing much to add to that, is there? No. And, no. and you've given you've given the footage to the guards and here's hoping that they'll be able to do something with that. Jacqueline, thank you very much. And my thoughts with your with your boy and with you all, the loss of a pet like that and the loss of a pet so violently is just terrible. Terrible. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. For that last iPhone, log into iCloud.com. You can find and lock the phone there. Write a message that'll be displayed on screen and can't be removed and you can possibly even track the location with it. Thanks for that. Is there orange water in Fair Hill? Is there a problem with the water in Fair Hill? We're getting we're getting calls about it. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. 96FM. Yeah, why is the water, this is on the phone, to 0818969696. Why is the water orange in Fair Hill? We were told nothing about it. I just did a load of washing. It's useless now. I hope my machine isn't ruined. And I'm going to need a lot of empty cycles to clean it out. This is not on. Thanks for that. 0818969696. Now, Patrick Horgan has launched a new online coaching platform for kids aged 5 to 16. It is called Pro Hurling. And you've gotten together, Hoggy, with a few other legends from around the country. Where did the idea come from? Good morning, fella. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good, good. Where did the idea come from? Uh, well, I suppose it started off, um, I suppose, probably over a year ago. Um, I just see like a, a lot of kids, my own niece and nephews, uh, more so than anyone else. But um, I just seen they were on the, you know, playing PlayStation or iPads and off a lot. And they've, they they have an interest in hurling. Um, it's just that when they get on the screen, they, they kind of forget to come off. So um, part of it was behind that. And the other part then is I just, I just love the game of hurling, obviously. And yeah. uh everything about it and obviously the the skills of the game uh, I think are very important and I think um, both can be combined like to, to help both kids in a, in a really good way. So you started making videos? Yeah, so 
what we're gonna, what we are doing uh, and what we have done is uh, recorded like it's the they're the basic skills of the game I suppose for a start. I think we've about twenty uh, skills at the moment split up into all different videos that'll be released uh, once once a week every Saturday morning at nine o'clock. Mm. Um, and we're just taking a basic till and breaking it up into three different levels. So if you've never done the skill before, there's a level there for you. Or if you're really good at it, there's a level there for you as well. Um, and basically, uh, you just climb up the ladder, like wherever you are. There's always improvement to be got, I suppose. And um, you can always send in your your videos back to us. We'll be giving homework at the end of every video. And you can you can upload your own videos of doing the skill mm-hmm. back to us. And we can, uh, we can help you along and give you all the tips you need as well with that. You're talking the basics like rising a ball, hooking, blocking, that kind of thing. Yeah, all that, striking, um, passing with the hurley, you name it, flicking down from the air, flicking along the ground, anything you can think of. uh, Just the basic skills that you see every day Mm. in a game, but... um, not a lot of the time we actually break down the skills and, and work on them and get better on them. And uh, that's the thing, I guess. Individually. That's the thing, I guess, Pat, because like we watch a game of hurling and we see these incredible skills on display and we, it all flows, but each little skill has to be learnt and perfected individually and then put together. Yeah, 100%. I keep saying that to people that you watch um, you watch any county game on the telly on a Sunday in Torles or wherever you watch it and... Um, all you're seeing is the players on the field executing the basics uh, all the time and at a really high speed. And, um, you know, you have to start somewhere and you have to progress somewhere. So I think this is a big help for uh, for all kids. Yeah, And is it is it free or is there a cost involved? No, um, what it is is uh, the videos are, are, are really high quality, obviously, and the website uh, was put up there, say, about a month ago. So the cost of it is uh, 7.99 a month or else there's like um a yearly a yearly cost as well which is a little bit uh, cheaper so okay. uh, it's not too much to you know to get your kid out uh training I suppose every day probably every week we've the homework we give see is um it's daily so they don't put it away for a whole week they they're expected to to carry out their homework uh daily yeah, practice yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. also as well with that, there's we've we've uh, experts in uh, fundamental movements and uh, healthy living and eating, uh, you know, right. videos as well. We'll be releasing one of each of them every month as well. I, I say every spring and summer, Patrick, and I tweet I tweet it every time I sit down to watch a match. You know, the the, the real beautiful game hurling played at its best is the most beautiful thing on turf and here you are trying to trying to help the next generation to feel the passion that you do yeah um i suppose for me i uh, i just get a, a a real kick off the the game really watching it and playing it i suppose well playing it is probably uh, there's not will ever replace that but um it's just uh, it's unbelievable and like the, the the obviously the people you meet uh, at your local club like this they're friends like forever and um that's probably the the best part about hurling as well that when you when you go to a club um you know it's not just for a week or a month it's probably for life yeah before I let you go, Huggy, the, the championship season is coming up. Uh, Easter Sunday uh, against Limerick. <laughs> you couldn't ask, uh, after the All-Ireland, you couldn't ask for a harder assignment to open the season, could you? Yeah, um, it's going to be tough. Uh, we have two weeks to prepare now. Um, obviously, we were disappointed last Saturday night, but... Um, there's nothing but replace championship, and um, mm. we'll get a we'll get a, a chance to perform, I suppose, better than we did last week. Uh, 
next Sunday week and we're looking forward to it. Like obviously they're a they're a savage side. Um but I think we're coming as well. Like and you know, we've a lot to work on from last week and that's what mm-hmm. we'll be doing for the next two weeks to make sure we uh we give a good account of ourselves, you know. I think every player will want to go into the championship and think if I do a bit better than last year, we'll go a bit yeah, well, That's how it we, is, isn't we, it? We need, we need to be a good bit better than last year. But um yeah, yeah we're getting there. Um like you can see through the whole league that uh, we've progressed and progressed. Um, probably let ourselves down a small bit in the final, uh, yeah. but overall, in the league, we took a lot of uh, yeah. There was a lot of positives from the league, and even the other night there was positives as well. Um, you know, we're not long left in the clock. There was only four points in it, and we didn't do much well on the night. Um, so that's probably a positive for us. Yeah. How are you doing yourself? You'll, you'll stick it out for another while. Yeah, um, I'm enjoying it as, as long as I as long as I'm enjoying it, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, as long as the body I'm enjoying up. going training, yeah, every day, and as long as the you know you want to do all the diets and all the the training, um, yeah, I I just I love all, all the parts of that. So okay. as long as I, I keep liking that, I I'll uh, I'll give it a go. All right, good man, good man, good luck with the with the championship season to all of the Cork uh, hurling panel and team. That's the, the great hoggy Patrick Horgan, uh, pro hurling is the new hurling academy online and e academy. Seven ninety nine a month for videos from the best because he's in there with um, he's got uh, Lee Chin from Wexford and Noel McGrath from Tip and uh, the Camogie star Amy O'Connor, Cork Camogie star Amy O'Connor, uh, helping him with those videos. Just listening to Katie, um, my heart goes out to that lady and to her daughter Penelope. My son is high functioning; he gets no service. I felt he was being let down until I heard about Penelope. Can a GoFundMe? be set up. Maeve asks, why are children always being let down by the state? Nothing ever changes. Both Martina and Katie spoke about something so personal and so heartbreaking. These are the people who should be in government. I knew somebody one time that would have been a very cynical person with a very cynical outlook on life, but always had a bit of wisdom when it came to children like that and their parents that they don't actually vote. These children will never vote. And their parents are too frazzled and too harried and too hassled to vote. They don't vote. So, what's the point in worrying about them? It's a very cynical attitude. Sometimes maybe there's a truth to it. 0818 96 96 96. The Rosa Tralee has been cancelled the last two years running. It is back this year, and we have to find a Cork entrant. Heather Mulcahy is coordinator of the Cork Rose Centre. And it's good to be back, Heather. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. Good to be back. Yeah. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a long three years now that we've been waiting for this. So, um, like I said, I think we're in excitement overload at the moment um, in preparation for uh, May, May 20th and 21st, which is our selection weekend. It's it's a big night, a big two nights, big weekend, in fact, and it's all happening at the Carrigaline Court Hotel. Yes, the new the new home of the Cork Rose. So we're in the Carrigaline Court. Um, it is it's a it's a jam packed weekend. You know, we're very lucky in Cork. We are we're actually the biggest Rose Centre in the world. Um, we get the most applicants. Really? Uh, so yeah, we are. We so we get the most kind of out of it as well in terms of you know the the social side of it, the friendships that are built from it, and everything. So. You know, it's really one of the aspiring centres around the world. Very proud to be a part of it. Um, and, and is that, is that why it takes two team. nights? 
Indeed, yeah. Like we'd have an average about 45 to 50 girls applying to be uh, the Cork Rose. And then we have our obviously chosen representative then that goes forward to Tralee. Right. Forgive me, my memory is letting me down. Who was the last Cork Rose to win? Uh, Jerry O'Grady, if I'm if yes, I'm right, still, and I remember. Yes, Jerry. so yeah. that was in the yeah. So Jerry was our last. So we're it's high time now. We had a, a rebel a rebel rose return and and take that crown home for us. So is it done the same way as it previously was that businesses and companies will will sponsor someone or can they enter themselves? Yeah, so everything you can apply online. So it's rosetrulli.ie for anyone who might be listening that's interested and. Uh, yeah, you get the same um, kind of a business sponsor to support you through the selection process. Um, and then you will obviously represent them. And then we're fantastic and, and very, very fortunate and lucky in Cork to have so many fantastic local businesses, shops, boutiques, um, everything that support then the chosen Cork Rose to go forward um, and support her on her journey through Tralee because, you know, it's it's all about giving back really to the community that give it to us and yeah. Cork is, is a fantastic place to do that. Even being Cork Rose alone is a very, very busy year, let alone how well you do in, in Tralee. It's it's a stacked up year for you. Absolutely. Like it's it's a it's a huge undertaking, but I think the rewards kind of speak for themselves. You know, I myself, like I got involved by taking part in the Cork Rose in 2015. I went back a second year. I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I think the the friendships you make from it and um, the social standing from it and everything that you get, I mean, you know, it's it goes on long after um, mm-hmm. the rose is selected and long long after the year that you are the rose itself. So um, because it's, you, it's just one of the best experiences I ever took part you're in. You're thrust together in this competition. You're, you come from all walks of life, from all all backgrounds, mm-hmm. you're thrust together in competition against one another but you come out of it I, I know someone who was involved many many years ago, still has the friends she made that couple of days Yeah, like I, I always say when, when people like that re- reference competition, I try I, we try and stay away from that word because it really is more of a celebration of women and a celebration of your heritage um, of your accomplishments and what it is, is, you see the women and you see them surrounding each other and praising each other like as I said I may not have been selected but I was one of the first people down in Tralee supporting the Cork Rose that was chosen my year I'm bridesmaid for one of the girls that um Holly that I was with that year I'm bridesmaid for her this year I'm heading to a hen for another rose next year I mean unbelievable friendships are made out of it so it really is a celebration of what of our accomplishments and all you've done and I know there's people sitting there listening to this saying ah come on it's old hat it's not is it no, look, I can only speak from my own experience and anyone, anyone can have an opinion and that's completely verified. But I've done it and I'm still here to, since 2015, still around. They couldn't get rid of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm only delighted to be a part of it, either it being one of the girls themselves or to be part of the centre now that I am um, co-leading with um, Katie. And it's just, a, it's a fantastic to be involved in it. And, you know, it's... It's about, like I'm going to keep saying it, it's about celebrating what you've accomplished and all you've done and being surrounded by the people that um, spur you on all the way. All right, good luck to everybody involved in the selection of the Cork Rose for 2022. That's Heather Mulcahy. It's on in May at the Carrigline Court Hotel. Roseoftralee.ie is the website where you can find out more. Thanks for that. Right, one more play of this fella. I think it's obvious. I am walking on water now. (laughs) Geraldine McGrath. Hi, how are, how you? are you? Who are we got? Good. Jeremy Clarkson. Jeremy Clarkson, the one 
and only and the video where he does that's hilarious because he falls <laughs> two seconds later up to his ankles in water oh God. you are today's winner 250 Perfect. euro with Blackwater Motors and on Friday one winner will be upgraded to the 500 euros so thanks for that Geraldine well done for today back with Fiona you're there and that is it uh, the programme today, edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. I'm back on the telly today. Um, first time in a long time. I'm on the, the couch with Maura and Dahi on the Today Show. So if you're watching that, give us a wave. Otherwise, see you tomorrow, just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.